If you're online with us and live streaming, we're glad you're doing that. We hope sometime if you're local, you can come join us here with us on Sunday morning. And this is great to be in this series on a newsflash to kind of get that feel of the old uh, time of newspaper days. And, and that's kind of gone by the wayside these days, but to get that feel and, and what's going on. And, and we're in the book of Mark, the story written by a follower of Jesus who gave us examples of what Jesus did in his ministry. And so before we dig into that, that book, that, that storyline of Jesus, let's pray together and let's ask God's blessing. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today, the privilege of being in your house and to be in your word. So God, today we pray that you'll walk us through this, that your spirit will be present, and that Father, you will uh, cause us to take something with us that'll make life easier or make life better, or Father, just make life from what you give us. So God, just walk us through this and help us, Father, to just simply listen and open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It was uh, a race, the Great Pacific Race. It was to be the inaugural race, and they were going to take boats. They were more like overinflated rafts with four rowers in the raft, and they were going to go from the coast of California to Honolulu, Hawaii, simply rowing in this race. Now, the first one to get to Honolulu wins, right? And so they set out, and they got out into the ocean, into the Pacific, and sometime in the middle of the night, a storm came up. And one of the rafts, one of the boats with the rowers in that boat began to take on water, began to struggle, began to tip over a little bit. And so they radioed a mayday and, and it got to the coastline and to the area where they would send rescuers out to sea and to check on what was going on. Aboard that helicopter as it left that day was a, a Petty Officer 3rd Class Christopher Leon, a rescue swimmer who had done these kind of things before but had never been in real dangerous waters but as they went out and they got out and they hovered over this raft and prepared him to go into that inky darkness in the middle of the night, he told them it was the worst he had ever seen. Waves were crashing on top of that raft. The four rowers were struggling to even stay in the raft with all the violence around them, the raging sea, and yet they lowered uh, rescue swimmer, swimmer Leon down into that darkness and into the water where he swam over to that boat and, and he began to hook the harness around each rower one at a time. First guy went up, got in the chopper, the harness came down. Second one went up, harness came down. Third one went up, harness didn't come down. Because they realized that they could only take three of those people at one time and so the rescue swimmer, Leon, waved them off, and they flew back to the shoreline. He stayed with the last rower in that raft to keep him afloat and to try to keep him warm for an hour before that chopper got back. When it did get back, he sent the rower up first. Then he hooked on and was taken up, and they took him back to the shoreline where all the rowers were treated. And Petty Officer 3rd Class Christopher Leon had rescued four souls, four lives in the raging sea, but bring them to safety. 
a daring nighttime rescue. It wouldn't be the first, it hasn't been the last. It was just a couple of years ago in June off the coast of Oregon that the same kind of scenario broke out except different circumstances. One of the rescue swimmers, Petty Officer Second Class this time, Darren Herity, was on duty for 24 hours at the North Bend Station where they rescued people in sea. He had done his regular training that day, had worked hard in the duties around the house and decided he was going to go to bed around 12.30 in the morning. An hour later, the alarm rang. There was a 52-foot fishing vessel, commercial, that had lost power, was taking on water, and the four-man fishing crew was in danger of losing their lives in a raging sea. Right away, the rescue swimmer and the chopper pilot and his co-pilot and the guy that operated the cable, they got on an MH-65 Dolphin helicopter and they left that rescue station and they flew toward where they thought that 52-foot vessel would be. They arrived there to find the four fishermen had already left the vessel. It was turning over and sinking and they got into a raft. They were in survival suits, but that made it almost too crowded in the raft. They were almost hanging out of the raft by the time they got there. They decided to lower the basket at first with, with a swimmer in it, and yet they realized they couldn't do that. The waves were so choppy, 6 to 10 feet high, 57 degree water splashing constantly on those four fishermen. They knew they'd have to do it differently. They'd usually drop the swimmer from 30 to 50 feet. This time they'd have to cable him down into the waters from 120 they cabled him down and cabled him down and cabled him down and finally he unhooked. He swam over to the boat. They could not use the basket in those kinds of conditions. So, Petty Officer Second Class Darren Herity, the rescue swimmer, decided he would take each man one at a time and he would buddy swim them to the shoreline. He grabbed the first guy, stuck his arm under that guy's arms. He said, you kick with your feet. And he swam that 30 to 40 minute swim to get to shore against the raging tide. And by the time he swam there and got back, he had gone one mile of swimming. 30 to 40 minutes. He did it four times in order to rescue those four fishermen. A daring nighttime rescue. It's happened again. It's happened before. In fact, if you understand how the sea can get pretty nasty and pretty angry at times, maybe you've been out there, maybe in military service you saw some of that happen, maybe not. Maybe you've seen scenes like this, if you pay attention to the screen. Look at that ominous storm coming in over the ocean. Can you believe that? When I saw that of the oh, probably hundred of images to pick from, that was the first one I grabbed. That's a storm coming in. Or you've probably seen this one before. If you've talked about the eye of the hurricane and the power that goes with the hurricane, and that's out at sea, and you're looking into the eye, and just imagine the kind of winds, 170 to 180 miles an hour, whipping the water and causing those waves that dump upon those vessels. Huh. Or maybe this one. This might remind you of the movie, The Perfect Storm, as that boat tried to climb up that wave and did not make it. 
And there are storms like that at sea, and there are storms like that that happen every single day somewhere in the oceans. When a storm gets to raging, it can take the lives of everyone in its wake. Did you know that there was a daring nighttime rescue in the Bible? Did you know that there was a storm at night raging on the Sea of Galilee? Did you know that the disciples had headed out for what they thought would be a gentle cruise and it didn't happen that way? And the storm came up and it winds came down and the waves got so choppy that they thought they were going to die. And then along came Jesus. Peter tried to get out and come to him. He didn't make it. And so I love this picture. It's an artist's rendition of Jesus in his strength pulling Peter up out of the stormy sea with the boat in the background. That daring nighttime rescue happened. And when Jesus came to them, we'll hear it in just a minute. When he came to them, you know what he said? Take courage, don't be afraid. It is I. In fact, if you translate it in another way, that same phrase says, don't worry, take courage, don't be afraid. I am here. I am here, Jesus said, to rescue you in this difficult situation. Let's take a look at it. Mark, the sixth chapter. We're in the Gospel of Mark, the story that Mark gave us. The word immediately shows up right away. We've been talking about that as we go through this series. The scripture says this, Mark 6, beginning in verse 45. Now immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside and there he was going to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was going against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the water, on the lake. Now he was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on that lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out to him because they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and he said, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, and their hearts had been hardened. Hmm. If you go back to Mark, the fourth chapter, you find that passage where there's another storm and Jesus comes. He's in the boat already, but he comes the top, to top side and toward the front and he just says, be still, and everything shuts down. And there the disciples say, wow, who is this that, that even has control or power over even creation or nature? I mean, it hasn't happened before, or it hasn't happened ever. It happened before. They saw it happen. They saw Jesus respond. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, this same story from Mark 6 is recorded. And in in John, uh, the same thing happens in the Gospel of John. Matthew and John write about the same story. Matthew gives us the rest of the story, which we'll refer to here in just a few minutes. 
But there are two takeaways you need to grab a hold of from this story. Two takeaways today about a daring nighttime rescue that you should use in your own life. The first one is simply this. When the storms come, and they will, when the storms come, you need to be prepared. Now see, notice, I didn't say if the storms come, because that means they may not. But when the storms come, mean they will. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, in verse 24, you hear this in the parallel passage, and the boat was already on a considerable distance from the land. It was being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. What does that mean? Man, they were being tossed around. They were in a difficult place. They thought they were going to lose their lives. They were fearful of what was going to happen next. And you know why? Because the Sea of Galilee can be that way. Did you know the Sea of Galilee is only about 13 miles long? It's only about seven and a half miles wide at its widest point. Used mostly for fishing, and, and those people go out there to make a living. Mostly used for that reason that they, they have the opportunity to move along that lake. But when it gets stormy, when those winds come down off the Golan Heights and they sweep down across the surface of the Sea of Galilee, things get really treacherous. They say the waves on the little Sea of Galilee can become 6 to 8 to 10 feet high. They say in the winter when the storm comes down off the Golan Heights and sweeps across that sea, in the wintertime it'll stir up the water so badly that it'll last for two to three days. Most commentators say it looks like a blender has gone to work in the Sea of Galilee. That's what they were up against. That's what they were struggling with. Now, did you notice in that passage, it said, now, it said, in the middle of the sea, they were being tossed about, right? In the middle of the sea, they were being tossed about. In the middle of the storm, they were being tossed about. You've been there, haven't you? You've been in the middle of a storm. If you took that same phrasing and you added words like, hmm, in the middle of debt, Tossed about by creditors. Some of you have been there. In the middle of divorce, tossed about by guilt. In the middle of, in the middle of an addiction, tossed about by fear of death. In the middle, in the middle of, of your 20s or 30s, and you have no connection, tossed about by a disconnect, you have no one to really talk to, well, we're going to try to help you with that. On April the 9th, there's a luncheon for you if you're in your 20s or 30s, and you can come to that luncheon and connect with other people of your age right here at Chapel Rock. Or maybe you're in the middle of raising a young family, and, and you're disconnected from other people because you're so busy with everything going on, and you're fearful of what's happening. Well, on April the 9th, you can go to your child's room and go in there and stay and watch the lesson and hear what's going on and connect with other families and make some friends. That might help. In the middle of the storm, for many of you it's been in the middle of unemployment, tossed about by uncertainty. I mean, you've been there. You've been there in that storm, haven't you? But, but who comes in the middle of the storm? Who, who comes to the disciples in the middle of the storm? Who shows up? It's Jesus, isn't it? Now, Jesus is the last person you expect to see in the storm, isn't it? 
I mean, we'd never expect to see Jesus in the storm. But that's where he does his best work. And that's where he has our attention. You know that, why? Because we're fearful. You know why? Because we're struggling. You know why? Because the storm is raging. You know why? Because we're not exactly sure what tomorrow brings. But we know if we see Jesus, we can make it through that storm. There are several scriptures I want to share with you right here, right now, and I want us to kind of roll through those. Matthew 14 says, But Jesus spoke to them at once, Do not be afraid. He said, Take courage. I am here. That's from the New Living Translation. I like that phrasing. I am here. We go on to some others in the New Testament. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always even to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. In the storms or in the good times, I'm with you. The next one says this, Now I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Nobody can take you away from Jesus. Now you can walk away. But nobody can take you when you're a follower of Jesus, nobody can snatch you away from the Father's hand. Jesus said, nobody's going to do that. So make sure you don't walk away. Make sure you stay. And then another one, just in, in Romans, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you're walking with Jesus, when you're in the midst of a storm, He will be there with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to leave you behind. He'll bring you to Himself. You see, you, you can't even go where God is not when you belong to Him. Do you get that? You can't even go. I mean, when you're going into life and you look over your shoulder, there's Jesus. And when you're headed into a storm and you're in the midst of the storm and you look into the storm, there He comes right toward you. The question is, are you going to receive Him? The question is, are you going to let Him come in? The question is, are you going to let Him take care of you? You see, when the storms come, and they will, you need to be sure you have Jesus. It was in the early 2000s that our Marines were invading Nigeria, And as they invaded Nigeria uh, one day, uh, one of the people who lived inside of the city there at Nigeria handed one of the Marines a note, a piece of paper. And on the piece of paper it said, She's alive. Room so-and-so, Saddam Hospital. You see, nine days earlier... The 507th Maintenance Company had been out uh, ranging through that city and had made a wrong turn. They got caught in an Iraqi ambush. Many of our soldiers went down, but many of them had been captured and taken, and they had not heard anything about private first class Jessica Lynch. A teenager right out of high school had signed up, now assigned to the maintenance company, 507th. She was missing. 
They hadn't gotten any videos saying we're going to take her head off. They hadn't gotten anything saying we're going to kill her if she doesn't do this. I mean, they had received nothing. They didn't know what had happened. But now they had a note, a piece of paper that said, She's alive, room so-and-so, Saddam Hospital. The Marine took it to his commander. The commander called the Pentagon. The Pentagon said, we got to check it out. They checked it out in their sources. They thought it was true. They put together a plan. In the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, they would execute this plan. They pulled together Marines, special ops units. They pulled together Army Rangers, special operations soldiers. They pulled together the Navy SEALs. And they put them all together to form one commando team that would go in and find this PFC. And so that night they were supposed to do it, it as 1 a.m. The Marines started bombarding the headquarters of the enemy on one part of the city. It drew the enemy soldiers that way. And then out of the night sky, with no lights on on the outside, came the Black Hawk helicopters. And also came the Apache attack helicopters that hovered above to protect an A-10 attack planes that were doing the same thing and they came into the compound of that hospital and they landed and the first ones off were the army rangers and they took out all the enemy that was trying to protect that hospital the commandos went in the doors they said the doctor showed them exactly where this gal was they went to that ward and there she lay two broken legs a broken arm at least one gunshot wound and yet still alive None of those injuries had been treated in nine days. Those commando soldiers grabbed her gently and put her on a stretcher. They raced her out into the compound along with their buddies who were protecting them as they went. They once again put down the enemy as they received fire. They loaded onto the Black Hawk helicopters and they went up into the night and off into the distance with the Apaches and the A-10s following, and only one message went across the radio. We've got the girl. Success. A daring nighttime rescue to save one soul. Jesus has done that before. And Jesus will do it again. Because when the storms come, and they will, you better keep your eyes on Jesus. Second takeaway, stare at Jesus. When the storms come, and they will, you better stare at Jesus. You better be sure that your eyes are fixed on Him, that He is your Savior. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, we find these two verses. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. <laughs> and so verse 29 says, come, Jesus said. So Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. Wow. Now the storm's still going on. The waters are still raging. Nothing has, has really slowed down. Nothing has really uh, uh, come to a calmness yet. And yet Peter says, I, I want to come to you, Jesus. I want to come to you. And so when he does, he keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus. And Peter is able to make a journey on that water as long as he's looking at Jesus. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I don't know what the other disciples were doing. Okay? My guess is they were saying, Peter, don't get out of the boat. Don't get, up. Don't get out of the boat. 
you know. What are you doing, Peter? Don't get out of the boat. So a lot of people will tell you when you decide to follow Jesus, don't do that. Man, there's no fun in doing that. There's nothing going on in doing that. I mean, look at Christianity. What a boring place to be. And people are going to tell you not to get out of the boat. And you need to get out of the boat. And you need to follow Jesus. And you need to keep your eyes on Him. And so Peter goes. And he heads out. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think Peter would have asked to get out of the boat and go to Jesus if the water would have been calm that night? If there wouldn't have been any fear, no anxiety, no difficulty around him, do you think he would have said, hey, Lord, let me come to you? You know what I think? I think Peter would have been like the rest of us. We would have waited for Jesus to come and get in the boat. But in the midst of fear, in the midst of storm, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of difficulty, he wanted to go to the Savior. He wanted to go to the one who could calm the storm. He's seen it before. And he wanted to go to Jesus. You know, sometimes storms, they prompt us to take unprecedented journeys. That's what happened here. I mean, Peter wouldn't have done that if there wouldn't have been danger, but he did it anyway. He asked Jesus if he could come, and Jesus said, why don't you come? And he headed out, and he kept his eyes on Jesus. But then, but then something happened. Something happened in Matthew 14, it's recorded, that, that, that he took his eyes off Jesus. And what happened then? Matthew 14 and verse 30 says, as Peter was going across the water, he, he looked up and he, and he saw Jesus, but then he looked at the storm. Do you remember that part? He took his eyes off of who? Church. He took his eyes off Jesus, didn't he? He took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the storm and he looked what was going on and he looked at the raging sea and he began to sink. And then what did he do? He cried out, Lord, save me. Because he still knew that Jesus could do that. You see, there are some scriptures you need to hear right now that relate to this. Jesus said in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. And then another one, Matthew 14, 30, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus is going to be there. He's the one that can save you. Later on in Hebrews, we find this, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Wow. You know what it's saying? Do everything you possibly can to keep your eyes on Jesus. Do everything you possibly can to keep your eyes focused on Him. Remember, He's got a long resume, right? He's got a list of accomplishments that goes way beyond everybody else's. Any petty officer, third class, or second class rescue swimmer has nothing on Jesus. You remember? I mean, he parted the Red Sea and let the Israelites go across on dry land, and then he shut it on the Egyptian army and wiped them out. Hmm. Yeah. He closed the lion's mouths in the lion's den and preserved Daniel's life. Yep, that goes on the resume. He guided the smooth stone that came out of the sling of David, and he guided it right into the forehead of a giant named Goliath and dropped him with one shot. Yep. 
add that one. He raised Lazarus after being dead for four days in the tomb. He brought him out and had gave him real life. Add that to the resume. And then he stills storms. <laughs> Put that one there as well. I mean, when you think about it, when you think about it, you need to keep staring at Jesus. You need to keep your eyes focused on Him. Do whatever it takes in your life to keep your eyes on Him. Here's why. Because when you feed your fears, you starve your faith. But when you feed your faith, you will starve your fears. Your fears will starve. You see, when you're feeding your faith, when you're trusting in Him, when you're putting all your eggs in His basket, then, then, then He takes you out of the storm. And He rescues you once again. He's done it before. He'll do it again. See, when the storms come, and they will, you need to stare at Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on Him. Let me say this, fear... In this life, fear in this life, it's, it's just a part of what we do on a regular basis, isn't it? But, but storms in this life, they're not an option. They're going to come. But fear is an option. You can choose to put your faith in Jesus. You can choose to follow Him. You can choose to give Him first place in your life. Storms are not an option. Fear is. And that's why... The words of the old hymn sound really good right now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth, the storms, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. You see, when the storms come, and they will, you need to stare at Jesus. You need to be sure that you put your trust in Him. To know that He says, now take courage. Do not be afraid. Now remember this translation. I am here. Did you hear that? Jesus says, I am here. If you are seeking to follow Him, Jesus says, I am here. Nobody can snatch you out of my hands. Nobody can take you away. I'm here. Put your eyes on Him. Trust Him. Do it today. Some of you need to accept Jesus for the very first time. You, you don't have that relationship. You've never named Him your Lord and Savior and said, hey, the, the one who died on Calvary, the one who died on the cross, for me, that's the one I want to follow. Because when I go into storms, I want Him with me. You need to make that decision today. For some of you, you're in the midst of a storm. You're in the middle. You need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to, to talk with you. You need somebody to, to help you through that. We've got decision counselors who will do that. Whatever you need to do today, keep your eyes fixed on Him. He is the pioneer, and the perfecter of your faith. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And as we sing, you come. Our Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the privilege of knowing Jesus, your Son. 
of having Him as our Lord and Savior. I pray right now, Lord, for those who need to make decisions today, that they will. That they will give you first place in their life. And then when the storms come, Father, and they will. With our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can overcome the storms of life. Father, I just pray we'll put our trust, our faith in you today. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.